it. You play ball like a girl. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to Does It Hold Up, the podcast where we talk about some of your favorite movies of all time and decide if they still hold up to today's standards. I'm Adam. I'm Emily. And this week we are doing 1993's The Sandlot. Baseball, 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 baseball. Sandlot from 1993. This is one of those movies that everybody knows. Everybody. Oh, I should say and everybody in, the, in, the, in America. If you're in another country, maybe you know this movie, maybe you don't, but this is a very American movie. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, feel I like feel it like... should have that background noise of just America the entire time. So The Sandlot, this is a great movie. I watched this movie for the first time when I was like, I don't know, no seven. Idea. Wait, I was seven when it came out. So yeah, I probably watched it right around then, seven or eight. And I, uh, I have literally no idea when I watched it for the first time. Probably on TV at some point. Mm. Could be. But it's uh, it was a lot of fun. I don't know if it's still a lot of fun. Yeah, it's there's definitely moments that I tend to skip when watching this movie because this is a like every couple of years rewatch for me because I'm just like, oh yeah, the Sandlot, let's put it on. Let's fast forward this bit. <laughs> yeah, I can skip that bit. I need to walk out of the room. Perfect time for that. This is one of those movies that I've watched a whole bunch, but never all the way through again. Really? You know, like I, I watched it the first time and then I would just constantly catch it on TV. Mm-hmm. So whatever it was on, whatever scene it was in, I would just be like, oh, cool, Sandlot. And I just finished watching it. Mm. So I've started it from like the s'mores to the end. I started it just when they're trying to get the baseball back to the end. Like, but I've never sat down and been like moment one to the end. Really? Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I just never have. But all now right, you have. <laughs> Uh, well, I have before. It was just like the first time I watched mm. it. And then I just never watched it again from the beginning. I just felt like I never needed to. One of the things I noticed about this movie that I want to talk about right up front hmm. is it's an hour and 41 minutes. Yeah. I felt every second of it. It's probably because it's multiple movies packed into one. It really is, right? Mm-hmm. You have about two movies in there. Well, okay, what do you, what's your two movies? The kids, you know... Becoming friends with everyone and playing baseball. Yeah. And then the have to get the baseball back. Facts. It's yeah. completely like tonal shift from there on out that it's just like, okay, this is a completely different movie. I have a preference on which movie I rather like. Ooh, you want to talk about it now or you want to get into it later? We can talk about it now. All right. What do you got? I rather watch the beginning of the movie over oh, and over again. I'd rather watch the end of the movie. Mm. I like the getting the ball back part. I like them coming together as friends and playing baseball and being kids. No, screw these kids. <laughs> They're all terrible human beings. <laughs> Not right. Benny. Benny's wonderful. All right. Benny's like the only one. Okay. Okay. So real quick, here is the rundown of the actors and actresses. Ah, actors. There's like one actress. And there's <laughs> yeah. two. There's two. two. Two females in this movie. So Tom Geary plays Scotty Smalls. Mike Vitar played Benji. Benji? Benny. Benny. <laughs> Benny the Jet. Jets. Uh, Art LaFleur as the Babe later. Babe yeah. Ruth. He was great. Uh, Patrick Renna as Ham. Chauncey Leopardi as Michael Squints Paladoris. Marty York as Yeah Yeah. Brandon Quinton Adams as Kenny. Grant Gelt as Bertram Grover. Shane Obzinski as Tommy Repeat Timmons. And Victor Demacia as Timmy Timmons. The three names you will know from this movie, because I'm sure you knew none of those, <laughs> is Dennis Leary as Small's stepdad, Bill. Yeah. Love Dennis Leary. Always a pleasure to see him. Karen Allen as apparently just credited as mom. She doesn't even get a name. Yeah, she's just mom. Yeah, it's weird. Bill has a name. Everybody else has a name. He has a name because he's stepdad, so we don't know which one to call him. Sure, but the freaking lifeguard has a name. How did they not name because mom? Because she's a character. But Bill never addresses... No. It's weird, right? She's just mom. Weird. It's all she needs to be. But that's Karen Allen, who you'll know is Marion from yep. Indiana Jones. And then the great, wonderful, voice like an angel, James Earl Jones as Mr. Myrtle. Ah, uh, so wonderful. So weird to see him in a movie, though, right? Like, you're just so used to his voice mm -hmm. that when you see him, you're like, oh, I thought it would just be a voice. I've never connected the two. Until, like, later in my life. Yeah. So I was like, I just really like this guy and he should speak to me more. Didn't realize that it was 
that voice. Yeah. So weird. All right. The director, David Mickey Evans. Okay. He also wrote it based on his childhood, like moments of his childhood that he put together to make a story. But it never got better than this for him as a filmmaker. Yeah. Well, when you knock it out of the park. Pun intended. Yes. All right. So originally he got an uncredited director role for Radio Flyer. Okay. You ever seen that? No. He went uncredited because he started directing the movie and the studio didn't like where they went. So he brought they brought in uh, Richard Donner mm. of Goonies and Superman fame to finish Radio Flyer. So he got uncredited for that. But then here's the movies he followed this up with. First Kid. You ever seen that with Sinbad? Sinbad is uh like... What's it? What are those people called with the earpieces that protect the president? Oh, um, Se- Secret Service. Yeah, yeah. He's Secret Service, but he's in charge of like watching the president's kid, who's just a little asshole. I don't think so. It's kind of funny, but not really. Then he followed up with the Beethoven, you know, the movie about the dog. Oh yeah. But he did the third and the fourth one. Oh. Yeah, the crap ones. Mm. Then he did the Sandlot, two, <laughs> also crap. And then he did Ace Ventura: Pet Detective Junior. Oh. That crappy one from 2009. It's really about doing stuff about kids. Yeah, super weird. And then he did um, Barely Legal, and it was a weird, raunchy sex comedy about teens making a porn. Oh, I honestly thought you were going to say Barely Lethal. No, wrong Which I actually really enjoy. I know you did, but this one's different. So that was his follow-ups. Okay, it really feels like he can take any franchise and just ruin it. Yeah, pretty much. He ruined Beethoven. He ruined The Sandlot, even though he did the first one, but he also ruined it with the second one. And then he ruined Ace Ventura. He's never allowed to do sequels. All right. So here's a new question I want to bring to the table for this pod. Okay. What was the pitch for this movie? How did it get greenlit? Like, what did David Evans walk into the room and say to these people to get the budget? Let me think. Mm, Remember when you were a kid and you played baseball? But then there's a monster dog that you have to get your ball back from. Say it's a Babe Ruth ball. There you go. Oh, you you like took this serious. I thought it was going to be a lot more fun than this. Because I was thinking <laughs> he just walked in and went, guys, kids, baseball, dog, give me money. And the studio was like, uh, can you tell us more? He's like, no, that's no. it. Kids, kids playing baseball, baseball, dog. And there's... A monster dog. Because these kids are all idiots. Now, I can understand if these kids were like six or seven Mm -hmm. believing in a monster dog. These kids are all teenagers. Why the hell do they believe in a monster dog? I'll have more to talk about that later. It's so dumb. But I just, I don't know how this movie got greenlit. This is something that could have only got greenlit in the 90s. You're not bringing this pitch to a studio in 2023 and getting a budget. Well, I mean, if you'd go to Disney, probably. I don't know. I just can't imagine how he got this greenlit. Like I said, it had to be just because it was the 90s. And baseball was like a huge thing during this time because oh, we yeah. also got Rookie of the Year mm-hmm. around the same time frame. We also got... No. What? I think that was like 99. No. No. Uh, 96, I believe. And then okay. we also got Little Big League. Do you remember that movie where the kid owns the twins? No. Oh. I never watched that one. Wow. Okay. It's uh, about a kid whose de- grandpa owns the Minnesota Twins, hmm. and then his grandpa dies, and instead of leaving the team to somebody who's capable of running a team, he leaves it to his grandson, who's like 12, <laughs> and it's like, run the team. It's like really, really awkward, but also really funny at the same time. I think it's called, yeah, Little Big League was 1994, mm-hmm. and then, what was it, Rookie of the Year, right? Yeah. Rookie of the Year was 1993, same year. Really? Yeah, so you were way the hell off in 99. I thought that was much later because I remember watching that one. But it goes to show how popular baseball was then. Oh, yeah. They were like, let's just pump out baseball movies. Especially baseball movies, including children. Well, you got to get the, you gotta get them young. Yeah. But also during this same time period is when we got like Field of Dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bull Durham. Yeah. The Rookie with... Uh, not the rookie, or no, the scout, sorry, not the rookie. The scout with Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Like, baseball was just massive at the time. Just blew my mind. But let's take a look at the box office to see if the baseball movie actually did anything. Okay. So this movie had a budget of $7 million. Domestically, it took in $32,416,586. It's not bad. It's like four, four and a half times your budget. It did not have a worldwide release because it was the 90s and it was a kid's baseball movie. No other country gave a crap. Yeah. So that's just what its total was, $32.4 million. Adjusted for inflation was $81.8 million in 2022. Mm. 
Not good. No. Not good at all. In 1993, it was in the top 50. Where do you think it was? I'm just going to throw out a random number. 46. Oh, really close, actually. Hmm. It was number 50. (laughs) But yeah, this had no audience. So I don't know how it became such a beloved classic because Rookie of the Year made more money than it. Oh, yeah. In the same year. This this gave you nostalgia when you watched it. But it was like super popular in like 98, five years after it came out. There's really not that much nostalgia to go into five years later only. Yeah, that's fair. So it just blew my mind a little bit. 2022, it ranks in the top 25. Where do you think it is? 24. Ooh, so close. 25. Ah, I wanted to say that, but I was like, it won't be the the (laughs) edge twice. It literally just just jumped up. It just doubled its spot from 50 Mm. to 25. Uh, Number 24 was Sing 2, which to be honest, I think is a better movie than this. And number 26 was Scream from 2022. Okay. Which I think is a better movie than this as well. So yeah, the box office for this movie, for it being such a beloved classic... Not great. Not well, great at all. Make kind of makes sense. The cinema score only had it at a B plus. So Ooh. I'm wondering what their advertising was. If it was like advertising just for the baseball and then suddenly halfway through, it's like, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, there's not as much baseball in this baseball movie as I remembered. I thought like the first half of the movie was just playing baseball, but it's like, no, let's go swimming. Let's go to a carnival. Let's do. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot less baseball in it than I remember. Yeah. So I wonder if they just misrepresented that because once again, it literally changes halfway through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think Ebert gave it? Two. Three. His quote is, These days, too many children's movies are infected by the virus of winning, as if kids are nothing more than underage pro athletes, and the values of Vince Lombardi prevail. It's not how you play the game, but whether you win or lose. This is a movie that breaks with that tradition, that allows kids to be kids, that shows them in the insular world of imagination and dreaming that children create entirely apart from adult domains and values. There was a moment in the film when Rodriguez hit a line drive directly at the pitcher's mound, and I ducked and held up my mitt. And then I realized I didn't have a mitt, and it was when then I also realized how this completely this movie had seduced me with memories of what really matters when you are 12. Yes. That is a fantastic pull from his review. That is yes. That is exactly what this movie is. It's something uh, we'll get more into later, but mm-hmm. just watching this movie makes me remember being that age, playing baseball and hanging yeah. out with friends. I think that's why this movie still could work yeah. in some way, because who doesn't remember that? Who doesn't remember being a kid? I think as we go on, maybe this movie will lose less of that because kids nowadays don't do that exactly true but for anybody who was born before 2005 let's say 2005 2010 somewhere in that range this is always going to bring back memories of running around with your friends as Mm -hmm. kids so yeah yeah that's awesome uh rotten tomato critics have it at a 65 percent though uh though only like 60 people reviewed it critic wise so it's like i don't really care And then the audience has it at an 89, so closer to what I expected. That's exactly what I expect for that. Yeah. High 80s, low 90s for this movie. It's just one of those movies that I've never met somebody who doesn't like this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. They might not be in love with it, but they'll still say, like, that's a good movie. I liked that movie. Yeah. It was fun. pretty well received all around. Universally loved, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do movie stuff. Yeah. Okay, so we start off with a crap ton of narration. (laughs) <laughs> and I hate every moment because we keep revisiting the narration throughout the damn movie. Yeah. And I just don't need it. And of course we revisit one particular line like 16 times and I hate it every single time it comes up. Yeah. What was line? And I got us into the biggest pickle of our lives. Yeah. What bothers me the most about the narration is the narration is supposed to be coming from a grown up Smalls. Yeah. Scotty Smalls. The problem is when we meet young Scott Smalls, he doesn't know a damn thing about baseball. Mm-hmm. He, he's never played baseball. He's maybe watched it once or twice, but he doesn't know anything about it. He doesn't know players. But the narration is like, oh, baseball's so cool. Here's all this cool stuff about baseball. It doesn't match what we're being shown. And I understand it's supposed to be him in the future. But if you're talking in that present time as in like you're narrating that story, you can't throw all these references into baseball because the character we're watching doesn't know those. So I... 
kind of wonder, does this opening give away too much? Because we start with him and he's going into a press booth at a baseball field and you see them all in a picture hanging out together. Yeah. The first half of the movie is, will he be accepted by these kids? Well, yeah. And, and well, will yeah. he learn to play baseball? And it's yeah. Like, yeah. Clearly, you are doing a lot to do. Your job is baseball now. And you have a picture on your wall of you and those kids. Yeah. So what's the point of the first half of the movie? This movie should have started with just him arriving in town and being yeah. like, I moved here and I got to try to make friends. I, I don't think we needed narration. If you no. want to bring if you want to bring narration in at the point where they're going to lose the baseball, mm-hmm. I think I could accept that a little bit and it's just like the summer everything was going great, but the next day, that's when we got into the biggest pickle of our lives. And then that's the narration right there to like guide us into the second half of the movie. Yeah. I think is okay. Starting it there, doing all that was just way too much for me. And I just it never connected. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. And the fact that they kept revisiting it throughout, I was just so annoyed by it. I just started zoning it out. Yeah, it it's not necessary. And I'm kind of sick of movies doing this whole book ending thing where it's like you give away the end of the movie, basically, in the beginning of your movie. And I'm not a fan of that. The 90s were big on that, though. Mm-hmm. It was always like, here's the end of the movie. Let's show you how we got there. Yeah. No, just let me see how we got there. I'm not a big fan of that trope overall. Let's talk about Scotty Smalls. Sure. So this kid, he grows up to be a baseball announcer after learning how to play baseball that summer with these kids. Okay. He he should, he is in the wrong career. (laughs) He, did you see his room? Yeah. He's like building erector sets to like do cool stuff. When they're trying to get the baseball back, he literally builds a robot that can catapult the ball over a fence. This man should be an engineer. Why the hell is he sitting in a booth announcing baseball? All because of Benny. Okay. Benny ruined his life. Yeah. Damn you, Benny the Jet. You ruined this man's life. He could have built like the Mars rover and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Instead, he's sitting in a baseball game in a booth screaming about, he's stealing home. He's stealing home. As it turns out, he actually did create the Mars rover and he just does that as his little side gig. He's, he's the Dodgers, the LA Dodgers announcer on as a side gig. No, I mean, he made the Mars rover as the side he gig. He made the Mars <laughs> rover as a side gig. Yeah, he's like, I, t- I still tinker, you know, but right, well, this is my true passion, could be fa- baseball. It was just something I never noticed as a kid. Cause as a kid, I'm like, yeah, this is cool. He built some stuff. Oh, yeah. he's an outing for baseball. That's like, a bar. oh, I love it so much. And then I watch it as an adult and I'm like, He built such cool shit. How did he not go into a career of building stuff? Because he went for his, you know, his dream, something he was passionate about. He got passionate about it over one summer, enough that it dictated his entire life. They continue to play summer on summer. They all moved away. Eventually. Yeah. One of them moved away the next summer, he said. Yeah, but that was years. In fact, he was like the last one to move away. Yeah, but they never replaced anybody. So what, he was playing with like two dudes? Yeah. Just throwing a ball around and he's like, I love this so much. I gotta get a job. Well, that and he spent like every Friday talking to the dude at the end of the movie. That's fair. One of the other things I love about Scotty Smalls, and this is just such a classic thing for me that I giggle at it every time I watch this movie, is when he's trying to learn to play baseball with his stepdad. And he throws the ball to him and he drops it. He picks it up and he's like, come on, come on, Scott, throw it back to me. And he runs it over and puts it in his glove. And it's just like, here. Yep. And then runs back to go catch it. I'm like, that is amazing. <laughs> Who hasn't done that? Who hasn't done that, though? I know I did it as a kid where I was like, um, I'm just going to give this to you. I don't think I ever did. I think I was just trying to whip it at people as hard as I could. Well, yeah, you're a jerk. Yeah. I... Just mean like my mom would be teaching me how to throw as I'm like, you know, four. And then I'm like, nah, I'm just going to run it to you. Ha 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 ha. I don't think I never did it at 12. At 12, I was playing competitive baseball. Well, yeah. So um, a brief history here. We've both played a version of the sport. You played the actual baseball. I played softball yeah. for many, many years. So we have a wealth of knowledge on this aspect. I, I would hope so after the all the years I played. One of the things that it makes me laugh, though, about Scotty Smalls as well is after he throws it back, they try playing catch a little more, and then he his dad hits him in the face. Yeah. Like he, try, he tries to catch the ball, hits him in the face, gives him a black eye. He does catch it, though. Yeah. I love that the dad is like, but at least you caught it. Mm-hmm. Great line. 
so funny that he's just like, you caught it. I don't care that you got hurt. You caught it. Good job. But here's the line that pisses me off. Hmm. As he's walking away, he says, you got to watch out for the curve. <laughs> this boy doesn't know how to catch a ball. He doesn't know how to throw a ball. Why are you throwing a curve to him? Yeah. Th- straight line, man. Have him put his glove up and straight line it. Well, this was the 60s, so it could have been a different time. But yeah, you lob it to someone who doesn't know how to play like, He like whipped it in and he threw a curve. Yeah. What are you doing? He still caught it though. He did. Impressive. Although I will say, one thing I noticed on this viewing was that the stepdad, not a terrible person. No, he's great. Like I, I kind of viewed him as such for the longest time because, you know, he keeps putting off teaching him how to throw and I'm like oh that's a jerk thing and it's like no he's just busy he has other things on his mind these aren't things you necessarily see when you're a kid watching this movie but as a grown-up you're like oh okay but when it finally came down to it yeah he still got up and he did that he wanted to talk to you he's just like it's one of those things when you watch this movie as a kid the adults are villains because Mm -hmm. you're a kid you're seeing it through kids eyes as an adult you're like god I connect with that like yeah somebody wants to do something you're like dude can give me like an hour I got to finish this work. I got to do all this. And then you're just too tired. And then you're, it completely changes it. But yeah, he was never a bad guy. It's just your perspective changed. Exactly. And that's, I'm noticing a lot watching it this time that I didn't notice before because I was just watching it to watch it. If you actually watch it to really pay attention, you see so much more. Yeah. So let's talk about how he gets into hang out with these kids. Mm -hmm. So he's sitting out front of his house and Benny sees him and is like, hey, you ever play? Or he goes to the field, right? He follows them to their to the field after school one day. Yeah. Makes a complete fool out of himself because he misses the ball and can't then can't throw, throw it. it. <laughs> and so he runs away. He's like, my life's over. Yeah. But then Benny comes to him the next day and is like, mm-hmm. hey, you want to come play with us? How cool is that? Oh, my God. Does everybody need a Benny in yes. their life? Like Benny, Benny is the MVP. He just accepts him like it's nothing. But here's the problem, right? So I wrote mm-hmm. this in my notes. Benny's awesome, but Benny's also a selfish asshole. Yeah. Can you be both things? Yes. Can you be awesome and selfish at the same time? Yes. Really? Okay. I also wrote that we all need a Benny because he does. He goes out of his way to accept him and help him. And, you know, he gives him his old mitt. He finds, he, you know, because Smalls is giving any excuse he can to not go because he's like, I don't want to make another fool of myself. My mitt's broken. I don't have a hat. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. So... He does all this stuff and he teaches, he takes the time to teach this kid how to play ball. He gives him something that he absolutely loves. Baseball's just his life. He's dedicated to it. And he's, that's where he gets his selfishness from. Yeah, because he's like, the only reason he brought him along because, you know, he's nice, but he also brought him along so that they could have a full team of nine so he can get more practice. Yeah. And it was like, really, man? Really? You dick. I guess. Okay, question. Is Benny magic? Yeah. Because... His, his stepdad's trying to show him. And is it is it also a commentary on not learning from adults when you're a kid, but another kid showing you just makes it make sense? Because he's trying to show him how to throw and catch. He can't get it. Benny's like, listen, just look at the base, step and throw. And he's like, oh, cool. And then he just like whips it to second base like it's no problem. So I think it's more a commentary on taking the time and actually... But now what time? Because... The stepdad didn't actually teach him how to do it. He was just like, throw it. Just just throw it. Just do it. He said, he said, look, aim, step and throw. He said the same thing. And then Benny's like, hey, you ever had a paper route? It's that. He doesn't even teach him how to catch. He's just like, hold your mid up. Oh, I'll get there. That, I'll get there in a second. But he, I feel like he took a bit more of a time to explain it to him in a way that he would understand. So mm. he had the patience no. to it, teach him. It was a 30 second clip. Yeah. It's a 30 second moment. That is not more time spent. He still took the time to run out from home plate to the outfield. His dad stopped working to go show him. Yeah. There's no difference. I'm just saying. Why does this kid learn from Benny in five seconds that he couldn't learn from his dad in in five minutes? I'm just saying people learn in different ways. It's dumb. I hate it. And he found the magic way to do it. He is magic. I hate it. He is a wizard. I hate this moment because I also hate this moment when he's like, I don't know how to catch the ball. And Benny's like, just put your glove up and I'll do the rest, right? Yeah, that part. He puts his glove up. Benny goes back to home plate, spits on the ball. That's not going to help. Why'd you do that? Hits it. It goes right into this kid's glove. That is the most precision aim. Literally watching it, I was like, is he a comic book person? 
Is he a comic book hero? Is he Domino or Bullseye from comics where he just has precision accuracy? Like, it blew my mind. And I was like, really? He is a wizard. I can understand, like, if you're doing, like, short pop-ups or something like that. But this man is in left center. Mm-hmm. And he hits a rope right to him. Right in the glove. Not even to him. It's in the glove. Yeah, the kid's not even looking. He's closing no, his he eyes. No, he turns his head away yeah. and still catches it. Yeah. I hate this moment. It's not a great moment, but I really appreciate Benny being so sweet. Yeah, Benny's great in it, but it's just magic. In a movie not of magic, it's magic. This is kind of a thing I noticed watching it this time and that I really wanted to talk about is how it's definitely shown from the perspective of children in the fact of maybe that's not how it actually happened, but that's how his kid brain took it. Stupid. Because we also get the beast well let's go let's move on let's go to the camp out so they play a little bit of baseball and then they're like do you know what the beast is and he's like smalls is like no and they're like camp out they get the whole story of the beast Mm -hmm. and all that and this it's just a dog that they're imagining is godzilla basically it's this massive huge beast thing and it eats baseballs and that's why you can't hit it over the fence or the game's over it eats baseballs and it eats people yeah apparently it ate some kid yeah many many years ago I hate this. I hate the Beast storyline. I love it and I hate it at the same time because y'all 12. Mm-hmm. I understand imagination is a hell of a thing, but you can't just look over the fence and be like, look, a regular dog. <laughs> like they look over the fence later. Squints when they're trying to get the ball back from, from that yard. Mm-hmm. He's sitting in their treehouse looking over the fence to tell them what's going on. You've never just looked over the fence and seen that it's a regular damn dog. Because in their children's imagination brain... 12. They're 12. Their children's imagination brain... They're, Hell, Benny might be a teenager. He, he kind of does look it. They have to be older than that. Because Squints marries Wendy Peppercorn later. Great. And she's at least, what, 18 to be a lifeguard? I don't know. Probably less than that when back in the 60s. But, okay, so she's 16, 17. There's no way he was 12 making out with her at the pool. He could have been. Could have been. I. He might be one of the younger ones, but we're going to say anywhere from, what, 12 to 14? How yeah. old they are? Benny's probably 14. Sure. You're 14, and you still think it's some mythical monster? Yeah, the ages kind of don't work. I like the fact that it's a mythical monster, because as a child, that's how you perceive things. Like, it, you can see it as being some massive thing. And maybe because they have been there since they were little. It's just always been that story. It's always been that story. Hey. It just doesn't work. I like it and I don't like it. I like that going into this pod, you're convincing me that it's not great because of the age thing. But I like (laughs) the fact that it is showing things from a kid's perspective. And yes, kids will look at this and have their imagination go wild and go, oh my God, no, that's a scary monster that's going to eat me. Yeah. Instead of just a dog. So I, I love the concept. And if these kids were 9, 10... I think it plays a little better, mm-hmm. but 12, 14, come on. At 14 years old, you're like getting ready for high school. You're not believing in mythical unicorns anymore. Well, yeah. some people are, but <laughs> none of these kids seem to be, well, maybe one or two, but Benny doesn't seem like the kid who would just believe. Maybe he's just going along with it for the sake of everybody else. But by the end of the movie, clearly that's not the case Yeah, because he's also terrified of this dog. So I just don't get it. And I don't think it plays well. To be fair, I know we've seen grown adults be afraid of our 70-pound dog. But it's a difference to be afraid of dogs in general and to imagine a dog is Godzilla tearing stuff up. They literally see him jump over the fence at one point and picture him as the size of a house. True. It just doesn't make sense. If he's that big, you should just be able to see him all the time. He's as big as the damn house. (laughs) Because he jumped to do that. God. And it just doesn't... Shut up. It just doesn't make sense. It's exaggerated you know. because it's from the eyes of children. Yes, those children are a little bit pre-teens. too old. Stop calling them children. They're preteens. They're still children. They're, they're, no. Yes. No. Preteens. I just, so I just don't like that. Um, what else? You got anything else you want to talk about the camp out and the story? No. It, it's very childlike. In it, I, I appreciate that kind of innocence of like, no, this is this story. I have It's basically a ghost story, but yeah. they take it for fact. So. so then they play some more baseball and then they realize it's too hot to play baseball. So what do they do? They go to the pool. Mm-hmm. I have one note that I actually really enjoy about this part. Yeah, okay. 
body positivity. Because Ham is walking around like he is the sexiest thing that God has ever created. Have you seen Ham? <laughs> he's got it going on, man. He's great. I mean, I, do, I love his freckles. So uh, he's cute. great. But still looks exactly the same. This thirty years later. Oh. Yeah, it's insane. That actor. Yeah. Still looks exactly the same. But they never treat Ham differently for his size. They also never treat Kenny differently for his color. True. Considering this movie takes place in 1962 and they have a black boy going to the pool with them. Yeah. And playing ball with them nobody seems to care yeah there's no colored section or anything so i know it was made in 1993 so they probably don't want to put that in because it's a kids movie Mm -hmm. but that's something that stuck with me where it was like this is something cool to show of like it was the 60s but they could mingle yeah it might not have actually as children but as children they could you don't see size or color if you're Mm -hmm. not taught to see size or color it's a very positive movie for just accepting others yeah because they make fun of Smalls at first, and then as soon as he catches the ball and throws it well for the first time... They're like, yeah, okay. He's, Bert, he's okay. Yeah, the tall, nerdy kid Bertram is just like, let's go. Yeah. He's all right. Let's play ball. He's all right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just love the acceptance in this movie mm-hmm. in every possible way. So yes, the body positivity is great. The skin color positivity is great. Like, it's all great. But that's the only good thing about this pool scene. Yes, oh, that's I... Not true. Them them playing around in the pool is awesome because right, that's yeah. exactly what we did as kids. Yes. We'd go to the public pool and it was like, who's going to hold who under the water the longest and who's going to jump off this and do that? And just this movie is very good at being kids. Yeah. Portraying kids as kids. They never try to be adults. They never try to do anything crazy. They are just kids being kids. Mm-hmm. But now the bad part comes. Squints has a crush on Wendy Pfeffercorn. Peppercorn? Peppercorn. Whatever her name is. Wendy. Yeah. Who's a lifeguard at the pool. So what does he do? He decides that even though he cannot swim, he's going to jump into the deep end so that she will have to rescue him. And And then what? Then he pretends that he cannot breathe so that she will give him mouth to mouth. Well, I don't think he can breathe at first. I think she does actually save him. But (sighs) then it all changes. Then it wasn't portrayed well because he is still reacting when he's put on the the ground so the actor maybe have not done it well yeah but like he's definitely conscious when he is put on that ground he is doing it to do it but what does he do he grabs her head and kisses her full on for a good like 30 seconds and then she takes him throws him out and is like you're banned from the pool but I'm still going to like look at you and like, yeah, I'm still wave, gonna wave and smile suggestively. At you and, then, and then they get married later. And it's yeah. super weird because it's like, were you attracted to a 12 year old kid? Oh, yeah. Because she stares at him earlier in the movie, too. Like she full on like as she's turning away, her head turns with a stare at him. And it's like, dude, this kid's like 12. Yeah, it's weird. Stop it. It's weird. 60s were a different time. I absolutely hate the scene. This is one of the scenes that I have to skip every single time that I watch this movie, except for this one, because I had to watch it. But it's just... That's a version of assault. Like, there's no way to get around it. And it wasn't necessary for anything in the movie. It's the worst part of the movie. Yeah. Period. It didn't get my Han Award because I thought that was going to be a little too obvious. That is just absolutely garbage. But it sucks. Yeah. I hate this whole moment. I hate everything about it. Again, I would also be like, we don't need to watch it. There was no point for it to be there. I was going to say, it literally has no point to the movie. So later at the end of the movie, we find out he married Wendy. Squints married Wendy. They yeah. had kids. They own a store. I think just waving and and uh, winking at each other and all that would have set that up. Like, we already got the fact that he's a horn dog for her. Like, you don't need the scene to make that ending still be a payoff. Exactly. So one thing I did notice watching it this time. So the boys all get kicked out and they don't have any other stuff. They don't have their clothes, their backpacks, their whatever. Mm-hmm. But as they're running away, they're picking up all their stuff off the ground as people are throwing it out the door. Mm-hmm. That is really good work from those those employees at that pool. They knew exactly it's... whose stuff it was. I don't even know if it's the employees. I think it's just people Other at the people pool. people just throwing it out? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they're if it's a like small community, you know whose stuff is whose. It doesn't seem that small. It didn't seem that small. But then after the pool, we get some more baseball, some more talk. But then we get a night game because it's July 4th. Yes. This and... is a knit of mine. Okay. One, a good thing about this. Yes. This reminds me again of being a kid because it's set in 1962. These kids literally just scream at their parents. Mom, I'm going out. I'll be back later. And just leave. Yeah. 
But what I really like about this, and it's something I feel like is missing a lot in modern society sometimes, is when Benny goes to pick up Smalls for the night game, he just screams, Mom, I'm going out to play ball. I'll be back later. He goes out. It's a giant block party. All the neighbors are out. There's tables of food set up. There's all, it's just a giant community hanging out, Mm -hmm. watching fireworks and stuff like that. And that is such a cool thing to see. That happened when I was a kid in the 90s. Yeah. I don't think that happens that much anymore now. But to see it was just like, what a simpler life. What a more enjoyable life, maybe. You actually had a community then. You knew your neighbors. Ham just goes up and grabs a hot dog. and Yeah, just, nobody cares. I don't no. even know if he lives on that block. Yeah. Doesn't matter. No. It's a kid. You're going to feed him. But it's one of the reasons that... The kids could just scream, I'm going out and leave because everybody knew everybody. Yeah. And it didn't matter. Like, oh, you know, it was one of those things. I always laughed when I was a kid because if I did something wrong with my friends, like we broke windows, we did this, we did that growing up, my mom would know about it before I got home because the community (laughs) knew each other. So it was like, as soon as one person found out, it just went down the chain to get back to all the parents. And then my mom was like, I'd get home and my mom would be like, why'd you do that? It's like, how'd you know? (laughs) how did you already know it happened 10 minutes ago see i grew up obviously a little bit later than you did and it was less so you knew some neighbors but you didn't know all of them i knew every single one of my neighbors yeah i grew up in a time when on halloween i would go into neighbors houses to get things not even like the neighbor that you knew really well Mm -hmm. just like a neighbor we had a neighbor growing up that worked for a it was only one year he moved in for like one and a half years and then they moved but he worked for a toy company a stuffed animal company i guess and so that year on halloween he invited all the kids into his house as they came up you went in he had a huge wall of stuffed animals and you just picked one he was like just pick one we didn't have parents with us Mm -hmm. we were just out halloweening and just went into this stranger's house to get a toy. I actually have a very similar story to that where I, on Halloween, me and my friends were invited into this dude's house to grab a Beanie Baby. Yeah. He had a whole wall of Beanie Babies that he was giving out. about it. Nope. Just walked right in. And then I, and then my, my mom was like, yeah, that's cool. We know, we, we know him. I've seen him around. It's fine. No. This was like several st- streets away. We did not know this person. <laughs> All right. Well. I, I survived. Okay, guys. <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's a cool thing to I see love, that. Yes, that is such a, like, I wish our communities could get back to that life. Yeah. In some Well, that's why semblance. I like, I like uh, where I live because when I go walking, I know a lot of the neighbors. Mm-hmm. And so, like, talking to them and it's like, oh, if there was ever a big barbecue and we all got together, like, it, it could still happen. Yeah. Where are the block parties, by the way? Block parties uh, just don't really exist. Because nowadays you have to have seven jobs to be able to afford things. Fair. There's no time for block parties. Fair. In the 60s, you could survive on a part-time job. <laughs> One part-time job. My All right, what's your knit about this? Knit about this is no matter how many fireworks you got, it's not going to be bright enough for a game. Well, ah, pause. What if fireworks were coming from all directions? So like north blew off a bunch of fireworks. As soon as they were done east blew off a bunch of fireworks then south then west you would have enough light i just i don't think so i think it's still just too dark someone's getting whacked in the face by one of those baseballs yeah i think that's one of the reasons we don't see a lot of the game being played yeah you get to see one hit by benny and then everyone's just like ooh, yeah, as the ball's in the fireworks. air they're just like ooh, fireworks and the ball hits the ground and they're still like ooh, fireworks okay here's a knit of mine mm-hmm. i don't like fireworks I love fireworks. I get it. Like, they were cool when I was a kid. So watching them being ooing and eyeing. But as an adult, I'm like, I can only ooh and ah for so long before I'm like, all right, I'm bored. I don't care anymore. It's ooh, color in the sky. I love, I love fireworks. I can't. I can't do it. Unless I'm the one blowing them up. Nope. I don't care. I don't want to blow them up. I just want to watch. I, I just want to blow stuff up. I want to lay around and just watch bright colors in the sky. Fire. I am like, ooh, pretty. Fire, fire, fire. That's yeah. all I care about. Yeah. But yeah, I get it. That's why I don't think that we see them play long because they can't. There's no way. Yeah. Then, oh, okay. So after this, we get <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is the insults back and forth. So, so the- now we see them go back to the field and they're playing and the actual baseball team from that town shows up Yeah. and basically is like, you guys suck at playing baseball. And they go back and forth calling each other like, 
you put your nails in your mama's toe jam on your hot dog and you like it and like really, really ridiculous, ridiculous but like things kid. yeah something kids would bring oh 100 we did up. it all the time but then we get the heaviest of heavy insults that i absolutely hated for many years you play ball like a girl mm-hmm. yeah like that's a bad thing okay i mean i'm better than you Nah. So, nah. No, I am. Nah. Yeah. All right, challenge accepted. Okay. After this, we're going to go outside. We're going to play. It's going to be great. Great. I'll beat you. I don't know at what, but something. <laughs> but yeah, so we get that insult. And so they decide they have to play a game to figure out who's better. Mm-hmm. I have a problem with this game. I, I have a good thing and a bad thing about this game. Good. I love that Ham, as the catcher, is just talking much, such mad shit to these people as they're trying to bat. Yeah. Oh, if my dog was ugly as you, I'd shave his butt and tell him to walk backwards. Classic. Classic line. Classic insult. <laughs> I absolutely love it. But he's just in these people's faces, and it's just so funny the whole time. The problem I have, the Sandlot crew absolutely spank the real baseball team. And then I sit here and I think, well, why do none of you play on the real team? I wondered that for many years, too. I'm like, why aren't you guys on a real team? Especially like Benny, whose whole life is baseball. Shouldn't you want to be on a real team so that you can go to the next level and the next level and the next level? Yeah. Because just playing backyard ball with some friends doesn't matter. I mean, maybe they couldn't afford it because that team seemed all hoity-toity, but... Sure, but I mean, Benny has enough money for multiple hats. He's <laughs> he, got, had, he, he has two. <laughs> he's got hat money. <laughs> if he's got hat money, he's got ball money. They are dealing with, you know, less than a dollar a day for a baseball. That's their money. They don't have more than that. I know. It's just weird. I'm just like, yeah, we didn't have to make the other team look so bad. It could have been a little more competitive and it could have been longer. Yeah. We could have went back and forth. We literally get ham making fun of them and they strike out and just are terrible. Then we get the Sandlot crew batting and they just keep getting hits we see a couple slides into bases. We move on to another scene. It yeah. could have been longer. I would have liked it to be more. I would have liked more baseball in my baseball movie. Because then we go to a carnival. And I hate the carnival. Uh, another mo- another part of the movie I skip regularly. So they go to the carnival to celebrate the fact that they beat them. Mm-hmm. And they all try dip for the first time. Yeah. Tobacco chew. Mm-hmm. And they all puke while they're on a spinny ride unnecessary not all of them i notice doesn't matter but yes completely unnecessary one aspect i noticed from this time is how heavily they bring up that their heroes do this it's something that the major baseball players do so they have to try it and it's kind of an interesting concept to bring up to kids and everything is like not everything your heroes do is going to be good for you or just good to replicate so hey maybe Take it into your head. You don't always have to do what your heroes are doing. Yeah. So that was the one takeaway I can get from it. But like that, I'm stretching for that. Stick to the big league chew, the bubble gum Mm -hmm. that you just wad up in your mouth and pretend that it's dip. Like, come on. I'm so glad that it's not really a thing anymore. So kids aren't being exposed to that. Yeah, nobody's really, unless you're like an old man who's been doing it for years, people don't really do chew anymore like that. Yeah. Um, I just hate it. I hate oh, the whole I carnival do. part. It's just unnecessary. I'm one of those kind of people that you show me throw up on a screen and I'm like, I'm out. Again, I'm dear Hollywood, we don't need to see people throwing up. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not, it's gross, but mm-hmm. not in the way that you want it to be. Yep. It's not funny. It's not, stop showing it. But it does lead into, we are now in the second half of the movie where everything changes mm-hmm. because the next day they're playing a game and Benny smashes the ball so hard he takes the cover off of it. Yeah, straight off. Okay, first of all, Mythbusters has already proved that's not possible. Yeah. They did a whole thing where you can't do that. No. The only way that they got it to happen was they had to throw the ball at 427 miles an hour when it got hit, which nobody's doing. Well, you can always say it was a ball from the 60s, but still. Nah, I don't care. I don't care at all. Lame. Just, it's lame. Anyway, so they think, okay, well... Crap, that, the day's over. It got ruined because Benny crushed the ball. Mm-hmm. Not so much because Smalls has a ball. It's Bill's ball and it's signed by Babe Ruth. Who he doesn't actually know who that is. Everybody else does. Yes. Because he doesn't know anything about baseball, but the narration tells us otherwise. 
So he goes and gets the ball, and because it's his ball, he gets to go first, and he hits it over the fence where the beast lives. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, whatever. Game's over. Good job hitting a home run. And he's like, no, I'm going to die. That ball was signed by some chick named Baby Ruth. Babe Ruth? The great Bambino? The Sultan of Swat? The Sultan of Swat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then they all freak out and they're like, we got to go get this ball back. Yeah. And this is when they realize maybe they shouldn't be friends with Scott Smalls because he's an idiot. Uh, he, Probably. So they come up with many different ways to try and get this ball back. They try just using like vacuums as a suction cup. In, super brilliant. They try hoisting Yaya. They do the Mission Impossible thing. Yeah. They drop him in. Brilliant. Uh, they... Build a catapult. Build a catapult. Brilliant. The first thing they try, though, is just a long stick with a frying pan. Yeah. And they're going to cover the ball and just pull it back to them. Still good. Yeah. Still good. These are all brilliant ideas. Why are any of these kids playing baseball and not putting (laughs) their smarts to use? Yeah. Holy crap. One of my favorite things about the scene, and I just noticed it this time, was that Tommy, the one who repeats, right? Yeah. He's the one who's like, I've been looking at this all wrong. We need more su- such and such. Like he actually has a well thought out like idea of it's how to get it. It's not just a repeat. It's not just a repeat. I, for some reason, always thought that was small saying that. Even the contraption they build to lower, yeah, yeah, down to try to get it mm-hmm. is a whole intricate pulley system that's run through a wheel attached to pedals so that Ham can control his descent and his ascent into this yard. Yeah. Do I hear NASA knocking? I'm looking at it like my friends would never have been able to figure that out. My friends would have been like, just jump the fence, grab the ball and go. Because it's a dog. My friends would have been like, I'm just going to go knock on the door. But during this whole time, every time they think they've gotten it, the dog shows up and its paw is the size of its dog house. It jumps over the fence to eat the ball and it's the size of the house. Stop it. (laughs) Once again, I can't deal with this crap with these kids. It's from the eyes of children. It's dumb as hell. It's dumb. Yeah. But I absolutely love trying to get the ball back. This whole little extended montage sequence is brilliant. I love every moment of it. I love how each thing they try gets progressively more complex. Yeah, more intricate, yeah. And it's all just so clever that I'm just like, just get the ball back. You guys deserve it at this point. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. But they don't get the ball back, and Benny has a dream. And in his dream, the babe, Babe Ruth, appears to him and gives him some words of wisdom to go get that ball. And Benny's like, "I, I can do this now. My favorite part about this whole thing is Benny has a Henry Aaron card. Yeah. And Babe picks it up and he looks at it and he's like, I don't know why I want this, but can I have this? And Benny's like, yeah, sure. And he takes it and he just leaves. And I love it because you didn't know. I didn't. But Aaron is the guy who break, who break, who broke Babe Ruth's home run record. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. It's just such like a little detail. That's not a detail for the kids. That's a detail for the adults watching this movie. And it cracks me up. That's the detail for the true baseball fans. Cracks me up every time I watch it. But what is his what is his decision? He needs to get some new PF flyers. Also, side note, what do you think of PF flyers? They're fine. They have no arch support. I don't care. They're so <laughs> cool. They're so cool. They re-released the PF flyers in the ni- 1993 when this movie came out. Yeah. Every kid wanted them. Fair. But basically, Benny's whole thing is I got to get some new PF flyers. Yep. I'm going to hop the fence. I'm going to grab the ball and I'm going to run. I'm going to be faster than the beast. Yeah. And he is. Oh, yeah. But not stronger because the beast <laughs> just plows it right through the fence. Yeah. And does he jump over the fence? He jumps over the fence. Beast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he jumps over the fence after the kids are all celebrating they got this ball back. The beast jumps over the fence and Benny's like, oh shit. Yeah. And just takes off running. And it's a fun chase, but I think it went on way too long. Yeah. It goes through so many at- It goes through the pool. It goes through the movie theater. Then we go through like a fair of some kind. Yeah. Their Founders Day parade. Yeah. Then we go they- back to the pool and then he's like, everybody meet at the sandlot. And he gets to the sandlot and he jumps over the fence again into Mr. Myrtle's backyard. Mm-hmm. And the beast, instead of jumping over the fence this time which because he didn't have anything to jump off of i guess yeah goes through the fence destroys the integrity of the fence so it falls on him yeah and all the kids don't care except for benny and smalls who go and lift the fence and save the beast yeah this is a great moment yeah when smalls turns around and is just face to face with beast 
I appreciate that this is when you really get to see that it's just a dog. Like yeah. you, the, through the chase, you see that it's just a dog, but it's, you know, it's a dog running. It's running at you. It's like basically attacking at that point. It's still point. scary. It's still scary. But when it's laying down, it's just, I'm, I'm hurt. Help me. And, and I then, love that they don't even hesitate. They yeah. immediately run to help, even though this is the most terrifying creature they've ever seen in their entire lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They just, they go and help it. And that's something that I would definitely have and done. And just face to face. And he's like terrified and the dog just licks him. Yeah. It's great. And then he shows them to where all the balls are. The treasure treasure trove. It's so much. Like, and we can play forever. Yeah. yeah. And then they have to knock on Mr. Mr. Myrtle's, Myrtle's door, door to yeah. let him know what happened. And, and to Mr. give Myrtle, them the dog back. Yeah. And Mr. Myrtle's like, oh, you guys are the ones causing all that commotion out here. Because Mr. Myrtle can't see them. He is blind. Yeah. So they go inside and he's like, what what was, what what did you guys have to get back? And they were like a ball signed by Babe Ruth. And he's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Shows no care. This, and, this ball's definitely ruined. You're, you're dead. Yeah. He's like, you're, you're in so much trouble. But here, let me help. And he gives him a ball signed by Murderer's Row, which is the 1927 Yankees, which is probably the greatest team in the history of baseball. Mm-hmm. A baseball just signed by all of them? Yeah. Dude, that's like... Mega bucks. Oh my God. I would faint. I would faint. But why? Because Mr. Myrtle used to be a player. He played in the Negro Leagues, and he played against Babe Ruth at one point. Mm -hmm. So he knew them all. He has a picture with Gehrig and Ruth. Like, he knows these guys. Yeah. So he has all this cool collector stuff. And I love the deal he makes. Because they're like, we can't... We're giving you an old beat-up ball that you can't even read the autograph on anymore. You're giving us a 1927 signed ball. What? That's not fair. I mean, I love how he's like, you know how we'll make this fair? Come back once a week and just talk baseball with me. Because mm -hmm. he's a lonely old man. Who can't see, can't watch the game anymore yeah. or do anything like that. And it's like, that is so sweet. But they do the typical kid thing. They look at each other to be like, should we? What do, what do we do? What do we? And they both just kind of nod and they're like, deal. And they grab his hand. They're like, yep. Deal. Okay. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And that, that's pretty much it. So we get, he gives Bill I, the ball back. I love the fact that he didn't get out of being in trouble because he got that ball. No, he still got grounded for a week. Yeah. Which was light. He got yeah. a light punishment, but you gave him this mega ball. So. Yeah. And then we get a really cool thing where we find out what happened to every single person. Mm hmm Because then we get narration again, woo, about how everybody moved away over the years. And then what they did. And what they did. So we got Squints married Wendy, as I've already said a couple times. Mm -hmm. Bertram, the tall nerd, got really into the 60s and nobody ever saw him again. Yeah. He just disappears. The brothers... The one that repeats and the mm -hmm. other one. They developed a successful business building, um, what are the, what are those called? Uh, Tree houses. And then they did like little strip malls. Yeah. And then they invented mini malls. Mini malls, yes. Mini malls. And they became millionaires. Yeah, yeah. His parents shipped him off to military school. But then he got really famous doing bungee jumping. Yes. He, he basically invented... invented bungee jumping. Yeah. So like all these kids succeeded in some way. Kenny has his own business. Mm -hmm. He played ball. He was a pitcher for years, but he never made it to the majors. But then he opened up his own business. And coaches his kids. Coaches his kids, little team. league team. Yeah. Kills me. Because if you made this movie in 2023, that ending would be, he died of drugs. He's in jail. He works 17 jobs so that he can afford a tiny one bedroom apartment. Yeah. Ugh, hate it. Love it, hate it. But then we find out Benny grew up to play for the Dodgers. Yeah. And with a terrible porno stash. Oh, God, it's awful. And Smalls, as we said at the beginning, is the announcer for the Dodgers game. So he gets to announce his friend's game. Yeah, they it's, stayed together. They stayed together because for some reason they were connected from day one. It's interesting. It's it's a cool ending. I like when endings give me what happened after mm -hmm. is always fun. Cool fun fact, young Benny and old Benny were played by brothers. I was going to say they did a really, really good job of getting someone older that looked like the younger. Yeah, they're brothers. That makes a lot life. of sense. All right, nits. I went through pretty much all my stuff. Okay, so my nits are Smalls is too stupid. Yeah. I don't know. It bothers me. Like, how do you not know anything about baseball since that seems to be the only thing that kids talk about? You have like a little fake glove. You clearly look like you enjoy it. Like he brings his glove to the field because he wants to play, but then you don't know anything about the game. Is like it's sending mixed signals. And yeah. It just doesn't work. Uh, knocking the cover off the ball we already talked about. Too old to see the dogs and Miss Beef. And then aeration doesn't match the star. Oh, I went through all mine. Yeah. So we're good. Okay. So I have a lot of questions. And by a lot, I mean a lot. <laughs> Who the hell has that many fireworks? Yeah, so many that's fireworks. what I was going to say. Like, 
they try and explain a way that they can do in the night game because it's just crazy amount of fireworks. But like New York doesn't even do that much. Well, now we don't know what they did in the 60s. That's fair. Where did they get the money for the carnival? They struggled to get 98 cents to buy a new baseball. Where did they get money to go on rides at the carnival? You know what? And where did that kid get money to buy Chew? They save up. Did they? Apparently. I guess. Why didn't they just see it as a normal dog? It bothers me. Because they're re- kids and I, they've been told that this is a demon dog from the moment that they stepped foot on the sandlot. I hate it. It ruins so much of the movie for me. Other thing, why did no one see the autograph of Babe Ruth on the ball? I actually did wonder that and I forgot to write it down. Yeah, no one looked at the ball and saw Babe Ruth on it. Yeah, like, I okay, so I, I'm a former pitcher and just a player in general. Every time I got the ball, I would look at it. I would roll it in my hand. Nobody had, it's not like the autograph was super little right along a seam where you could miss it. It's right across the center of the damn ball. And it's not somewhere that you would normally have text. Yeah. So it's like, why didn't you see Nobody that? saw it, but so dumb. Yeah. No parents ever questioned why they had to keep buying new balls. No. No, no parent was like, dude, we just gave you money for a ball yesterday. Why do you need another ball? And then they didn't tell their parents, oh, the ball went over the fence. And no parent went over to Mr. Myrtle's and was like, yo, can we get our balls back? Yeah. Garbage. Parents don't exist, okay? It's kids' world. It's Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah. Is the movie too long? Feels like there's lots of filler. Uh, a little bit for how little amount of baseball there is in this movie. It feels kind of long. Yeah. Favorite way to try and get the ball when they're trying to get it. So you have the, the, the pot. You have the Mission Impossible, you have the Suction Cup, and mm-hmm. you have the Catapult. Uh, Mission Impossible. Same. Yeah. It's so funny. And it's funny because this movie came out before Mission Impossible, but it, we're still going to call it the Mission Impossible drop-in. I like that it actually works if he didn't freak out. If they would have brought him up quicker. Yeah. Because he definitely gets the ball in time, but then they don't bring him up in time, and he starts freaking out, and he drops it. Yeah. Just throw it. I liked the vacuum a lot, too. Yeah. That, that was just really that clever. That was my second. It was really clever. Okay. Would If this movie was made in 2023, would it get a theatrical release, would it go straight to streaming, or turned into a TV show slash miniseries? I think it would have been slated for streaming, but then once you saw what it was, it would have gotten the theatrical, kind of like Evil Dead Rise. Mm, Maybe. I don't think this movie works in 2023 as much. They do have a TV show coming out on Disney+. Plus. It's been in development for a couple years. Can't wait to see if it actually ever happens. It probably will be terrible. They did do a COVID reunion. The whole ah. the whole crew did get together during that whole time and did a 25-year reunion, which was kind of cool. That's all I got. That's all I got for questions. Mm. One more. Yeah. What piece of memorabilia would you want? Mm. Uh, probably the 1927 Murder's <laughs> Roball, if it was real. If it's not real, <laughs> I don't want it. Uh, I want the Hercules shirt. Oh. So at the end, they find out that the dog's name is Hercules. Yeah. Which is funny because they say Babe Ruth is the Hercules of baseball. Yeah. So it just matched. But then they give the dog a shirt that says Hercules on it. It becomes the Sandlot mascot. Mm-hmm. I want that shirt. It's just so cute. It's so cute. What about you? I want the torn apart ball. Ooh, okay. The fake ass ball that yeah. can actually happen. Exactly. Perfect. I like it. All right. So there is one more thing, actually. <laughs> so they all consider Babe Ruth to be the greatest player of all time. Yeah. This is 1962. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we can count anybody from the 90s because that person didn't exist. Yeah. Right. 1962. It's not Babe Ruth. Right. I know you said that in the middle of it. And I don't quite know who you said. I don't remember who you said. So I did, a, like, little, no. I did a little fun looking up some stuff here to go through this. So Babe Ruth had a career batting average of 342, a slugging percentage of 690, and hit 714 home runs, made two all-star games, had one pitching title, won one MVP, one batting title, and seven World Series. That's a hell of a resume. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to compare him to three of the greatest players of all time. Okay. First up, Joe DiMaggio, who played with Ruth. Batting average of 325 lifetime, so a little lower than Ruth. Slugging percentage 579, 100 points lower. Only half the home runs, 361, but he made 13 All-Star games. He won three MVPs, had two batting titles, and won nine World Series. Hmm. He's a better player. More consistent. He's a better player overall. But then I went to your favorite baseball player. Yes. Who played during that time period as well, Lou Gehrig, who had an overall batting average of 340, only two points lower than Ruth. Mm -hmm. Had a slugging of 632, 60 points lower than Ruth. Hit 500 home runs. 493, so a little lower than Ruth, but Ruth is a home run hitter. He had seven all-star games, two MVPs, one batting title, one triple crown, which is 
having the highest batting average in the league, hitting the most home runs in the league, and having the most RBIs in the same season. Wow. The other two guys didn't do that. And he also won seven World Series. And then I went with Willie Mays, who started his career later than these guys and actually played into the early 70s. So these kids didn't know him quite yet in the 62 Mm -hmm. time, but he was already really good. Batting average of 301, slugging percentage 557, 660 home runs, so closer, 24 All-Star games, two MVPs, 12 gold gloves. Gold gloves didn't exist until the 40s, so Mm. that's why some of these other guys wouldn't have had them. 12 gold gloves and one World Series. Ruth is not the greatest player of all time. (laughs) Even by the time these kids in 1962 were talking about baseball, he was not the greatest player. He might have been one of the greatest hitters, but to call him one of the greatest players yeah. is just wrong. Yeah. It's just wrong. So it just I mean, bothered me. So, Gehrig would have continued if he didn't get sick. Gehrig, to me, is one of the top five players of all time and probably would have been number one if he didn't get sick and have to retire. Yeah. If he didn't get Lou Gehrig's disease. <laughs> yeah. They named a disease after him. Yeah. I mean, because just, it was such a shame. It's just amazing, but amazing. But I put like Joe DiMaggio as a better player. Yeah. And Mays, by the end of his career, was probably a better player as well. I don't get behind the whole Babe Ruth train. All right, let's go into awards here. First up is the psycho shower scene for your favorite scene in the movie. What do you got? I have, as much as you hated it, Scott's first catch. That whole lead up into there, his Benny being like, I lo- okay, to be fair, it's Benny coming to him and being like, come play. And then it's him helping him out for the first catch and throw. So I will be taking auditions for a new co-host on this show (laughs) because that scene is crap. I just, I love how innocent it is and how just gentle Benny is. I enjoy that bit so much. Sure. Him inviting him is great. The catch part is awful. I can suspend my disbelief on it being magic. That's my go-to there. All right, my psycho shower scene award goes to the insults back and forth. You heard it at the top nah. of you heard it at the top of this podcast. That's this clip that we played for you guys. It's just so funny. I don't care. I know you hate it. You play ball like a girl. It doesn't matter. That was an insult in the '90s when this movie came out as well. So mm-hmm. just deal with it. I just don't like any of the insults in this. But oh my god, I'm, they're so funny though. I'm just I've never been a person to like those. So that's a that's a clearly a me thing. I know this scene is iconic. I 100% will now be taking applications for a new co-host. You ruin everything. Yep. I'm a ruiner. Fine, whatever. But it's my award and I'll give it to whatever the hell I want to give it to. Talk about it if you would like. Your stupid magic. Next up is the... Life uh, finds a way. Award for your favorite line in the movie. What do you got? You're killing me, Smalls. Oh, really? Yeah, I went with that one. Okay. It's just I use it on a weekly basis. I won't say daily because it's not... An, an everyday thing, but I use it in my lexicon, you know. That's fair. Um, I like that. I think the s'mores bit might be funnier. That was my runner up for my psycho. Yeah. Because I love that whole bit of just. Hey, you want a s'more? S'more what? No, 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 you want a s'more. I haven't had anything yet. So how can I have some more of nothing? I think the You're Killing Me Smalls has just been diluted in pop culture since this movie came out. That when I hear it in the movie, I'm just like, okay. That's fair. If I was going to go with one from the... Because this is the one... He says it during the camp out, right? In the treehouse? The forever. Yeah. Well, I'm asking you. Is that the the You're Killing Me Smalls? The one from the Mm -hmm. camp out? Yeah. Because he says it later in the movie too. Oh, yeah. No, it's the first. Yeah. But I would have went with the forever. Forever. Because it's just hilarious. I do. I love that bit because I love how he does his mouth too. Can I, I'm going to change your award. Is that okay? Can I just change your award slightly? I don't know. You get to have all three of those wrapped into one. Oh, I like it. You get the s'mores. How can I have some more if I haven't had any yet? You're killing me, Smalls. Forever, forever, forever. Yes, I am. You get the whole camp out. That is my favorite thing that we've ever done on this podcast is that I get all three of those. My Life Finds a Way award goes to Benny's dream when Babe Ruth visits him. It's the closing line he says. He's just... Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. A great line. It is beautiful. It's it's just poignant for a kid's movie to have a line like that. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Next is the Han Shot First award for what held up the worst since this movie came out. For me, it's the pool scene. 
deciding to kiss the girl to fake to fake getting her to kiss the girl mine is the length of the movie okay it's an hour and 41 minutes it feels like it's three hours and 41 minutes because there is no cohesion as the story's going the pacing is completely Mm -hmm. off and we're just jumping from segment to segment it feels like a bunch of short movies shoved together to try to make a feature length Last award, as always, is the Paul Rudd Award for what held up the best since the movie came out. Mine has nothing to do with the movie. It's the nostalgia. It's Mm. me watching this movie, remembering what it was like to be a kid. This movie making me relive being a kid, playing baseball with my friends or football or running around or carnivals or any of that. All the memories flood back when I watch this movie. It has nothing to do with the movie. It's just it makes me remember things. And that's what I think holds up the best because I think I could watch this movie when I'm 65 and still those memories will flood back. Nice. Mine is the ball playing. What little we got, it was just done very well. And it they played it as if it was backyard ball. It was done really well. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, decisions and final thoughts. I came into this podcast not exactly knowing which way I was going to go. I was like, okay, I have an idea. I'm on the fence, but I'm going to let the conversation steer us. I'm going to go with it does hold up. I think there's a lot wrong with it, but what is right with it and what I've noticed from watching it again and again is that a lot of the things that I don't think holds up kind of gets explained away because this is a kid's story. This is told from the perspective of children and that's how they're viewing the world. Should there be parts taken out of this movie? Yes. But I think there's still still a lot to be loved about this movie. Okay, fair. I think this movie at an hour and 41 is too long. I think this is a 45 minute short at best. Mm. And that's the only way this movie works. So because of that, I think it does not hold up. Okay. I think the movie putting my own memories into my head being the best part of this movie obviously means the movie ain't that good. <laughs> So I just have to say it's still a lot of fun, but mostly because of my own memories of watching this movie or doing the things in the movie, not the movie itself. So that's fair. Does not hold up. Cool. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you wanted to argue that. No, like I said, I was on the fence and it just just eked out that held up for me because I still enjoy watching it. All right, that's it. Thank you guys for listening and for joining us on our journey back to 1993 to talk about The Sandlot. Let us know over on our socials what you guys think about this movie. Is it a movie that you love? Does it hold up for you still? What are your thoughts on it? Did you play ball when you were a kid? Come talk to us. Let us know what's going on. You can find us by clicking the link in the description of this episode to come talk to us. We'll be back again next week with another classic movie, as we always are. And if there's a movie you want to hear us cover, make sure to let us know by either commenting on this video, on this video, on this podcast, or come talk to us on our socials. And until next time, you know the rules. Be kind to yourself, be good to others, and keep watching movies. Bye.